week. From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, happy Friday. Thanks so much for uh, tuning in. Coming up, we will wrap up a busy week here in Washington, D.C. The week ended much like it began with the Democratic leadership ignoring, ignoring the economic woes of Americans as they focused on their top priority, abortion. This is something that is core to who we are. It's about freedom. It's about health care. It's about respect for women. She could not be more wrong. That was House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The debate was intense in the House earlier today. H.R. 8296 will legally authorize and enable the violent death of unborn baby girls and boys by dismemberment, beheading, forced expulsion from the womb, deadly poisons or other methods at any time and for any reason until birth. As most people don't realize this, but the bills being advanced by the Democrats in the House today go further than what was currently the law. In fact, what it does is it sweeps out most of the state laws all across the country. We're going to talk about that. That was, uh, by the way, New Jersey Congressman Chris Smith. He was opposing the two abortion bills that were advanced by Democrats earlier this afternoon. Uh, We'll talk with Missouri Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler a little later here on Washington Watch. And is the Biden administration putting pharmacists in a position of obeying state pro-life laws or facing federal prosecution? Also, Madam Speaker, if you could do me a favor and get a message to the president who is trying to sign an executive order to force pharmacists to fill prescriptions against their will for abortion, let me assure you, you can pass all the legislation you want. You can sign every executive order that you want to sign. But if you think you're going to force a pharmacist to go against their moral obligation to take care of patients, to take care of babies, and dispense a prescription that's going to be used for abortion, good luck with that. That was Congressman Buddy Carter of Georgia. He joins us later on Washington Watch to talk about how the federal government's trying to demand pharmacists disobey state pro-life laws. Again, while inflation and energy costs hit record highs this week, the left only has a sense of urgency when it comes to abortion. Senator Elizabeth Warpath Warren and others are calling on the president to declare a public health emergency as a result of the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs, which, as you know, overturned Roe v. Wade. What would this empower the government to do? Well, we'll talk with Roger Severino, former director of the Department of Health and Human Services in the Office of Civil Rights under the Trump administration. And while the expansion of sports gambling and casinos have been in the spotlight, very little attention has been given to the growth of the last two decades of state-sponsored lotteries which are literally sucking billions of dollars out of low-income communities, putting it into the pockets of multinational companies. Now, where are the elected leaders calling for economic justice? Good question, isn't it? We're going to talk with Professor John Kent. He is a professor of business and legal policy at the University of Illinois. Also, FRC's Connor Simmelsberger will join me in just a moment to give us a wrap-up on the entire week and what we can expect in the remaining two months here on Capitol Hill. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. Be sure and check it out. And by the way, if you're in Northern Virginia, I'll be preaching this Sunday at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. That's Cornerstone Chapel, 
I invite you to come join us. They've got three Sunday morning services. Go to TonyPerkins.com to find out more. Also, visit the Washington Stand, the new Washington Stand for news and commentary from a biblical perspective. You can find it all at WashingtonStand.com. Our word for today, coming from our Stand on the Word Bible reading plan, is found in Psalm 43. It's verse 3, and it reads as follows. Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. You see, Jesus is the light. He is the truth, and he is the word. Through him, we can dwell in the presence of God, which is what the psalmist desired. To join us in our journey through the Bible, visit frc.org slash Bible. Well, as uh, you know, if you've been listening all week, it's been a busy week here on uh, Capitol Hill with the August recess quickly approaching. They're trying to jam in as much as they can. Well, last night, the House approved the National Defense Authorization Act, despite objections from the House Freedom Caucus, which I discussed earlier in the week. This $839 billion act includes $37 billion more than the White House sought. But it fails to address many existing problems, including vaccine mandates for our soldiers, which are driving many of them out of the military. And today, despite the horrible economic news this week that every American family is feeling, 9.1% inflation, what is the Democratic leadership focused on? Yeah, you guessed it, abortion. Earlier this afternoon, the House passed two abortion-related bills, bills which we already know that the Democrats do not have the votes in the Senate to pass. But they're doing it anyway. Joining me to discuss everything from Capitol Hill this week and what is ahead is Connor Simmelsberger. He's FRC's Director of Federal Affairs, Life, and Human Dignity. Connor, welcome back to the program. Yep. Happy Friday, Tony. Well, I'm glad it's Friday. That means uh, Congress is getting out of town and they can't do any more damage. Let's talk uh, first about the abortion votes that happened earlier this afternoon. Tell us what happened. Yep. So, again, just like you mentioned, the, the Congress has already voted on what they call the Women's Health Protection Act. We call it the Abortion on Demand Until Birth Act because that's what it does. They they voted on this bill last year in September and it passed. Uh, Senate's already voted on it twice. And it's just a failed piece of legislation that the American voters do not support. That, unfortunately, though, just did just pass the House 219 to 210, uh, mostly along party lines there. And so and again, just to explain that for our listeners, because we've heard all this about codifying Roe v. Wade. This goes further than what has been the prevailing policy on abortion in this country, because uh, there have been some limitations. This would essentially erase every pro-life law that has been passed by the states in the last four decades. Yep. And it's laws like ultrasound requirements, you know, parental consent for minors. These are common sense laws that most have got bipartisan support in their state chambers that would just be wiped out because the federal government says there's now an unfounded right to abortion if this law, if this became law. So there were two bills. That was the first one, and it passed. The yep. second, and then the second one. While they claim it's about just protecting a woman's right to travel across state lines to get a health care procedure, this bill was nothing of the sort. Um, it's it's a law that was pretty sloppily drafted because it, it provides cover um, for you know human traffickers, those that want to abuse maybe minors to take them across state lines. It would stop any state from using their laws to enforce against you know those trafficking minors across state lines, or even stopping chemical abortion drugs from flooding from other 
countries or other states into their states. It would stop states from having any ability to enforce those laws. And so it's a dangerous law. And again, that one passed 223 to 205, picking up actually a couple Republican votes there. But it's one thing that they claim it's just about the travel. But again, when you read the details of the bill. Look, everything they put forward, you you can never rely on the title or the description. You've got to look at the details. Everything is a massive overreach to try to bring more power here to Washington, D.C., and usurp the rights of the states. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was great parody today. That was what the uh, Democrats offered, those two radical bills. And then on the flip side, Republicans had opportunities to use their uh, minority rights to offer two other pieces of legislation, one that would protect infants that survive abortion after birth. No Democrats voted for that. And another bill that, again, simply would prohibit minors from being able to go out of state to get abortions. And Democrats, again, rejected that. Two common sense pieces of legislation. Incredible. And as you mentioned, this is now going to go over to the Senate will be the uh, the third time if the Senate votes on it. Be the third time the Senate voted on uh, the, the the bill. Um, it's going to fail because you got to get sixty votes, mm-hmm. and they don't have sixty votes to pass it. So why are they doing it? Yep, and you heard it today. It's politics, 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 not what matters for the American people. Even Democrat members on the floor said, "We know we don't have the votes in the Senate, so go elect two more pro-abortion senators." I mean, <laughs> Is that really what Americans are concerned about when they're paying almost $5 a gallon in gasoline? Every time they go to the grocery store, they're paying at least 10 percent more than they were last year. Is this is abortion what they're concerned about? Not at all. Farthest thing from the truth. Like you said, most Americans just want to pay the bills. You know, August is coming quickly. People are looking next school year, getting ready for the supplies they need for the school kids. This is not what they care about. But yet Democrats continue to ram through this abortion, a radical agenda on the American people. Incredible. But it, it, it does provide, as you said, uh, the, the, the contrast between the two parties and what they stand for and what they think are priorities. Now, let's discuss the NDAA. That's an annual must-pass piece of legislation. That was passed late last night. Uh, obviously, we want to support the military, and so do Republicans. But the act as written and passed has some major problems. Yeah, that's right. And it got about 100 members voting against it. And yeah, all throughout, there's just little things that we've been tracking, concerned about, whether it's expanding costs or access to abortifacient drugs for the veterans or military, and some new things for the first time, trying to expand uh, clinical trials on veterans that suffer PTSD to include psychedelic drugs as a treatment. So this is where they're moving to use our veterans and service members as guinea pigs for these experimental treatments. So those are the kinds of things that are in there that we'll want to make sure are not included Thankfully, though, this House passed version did not include draft our daughters. But unfortunately, we've we've got word that we think the Senate version, we haven't seen text yet, does include language to draft our daughters once again. So we'll be on high alert to make sure that does not make it to the final bill. Wow. Uh, And back on the the drug component, uh, the psychedelic drugs, what we have historically, what we know to be the truth, what, what we know that happens is they use the military to advance these radical social policies only to spread them more broadly in the mm-hmm. culture afterwards. That's how we got, you know, the overturning of DOMA and then same-sex marriage. They first pushed that in the military. Yep, it becomes the stomping ground for their policies, experiments. VA committee, defense committee, that's where they experiment, whether it's drug policy, marriage, abortion, or contraception, and push it around the country. All right, so, Connor, we are... Uh, We've got two weeks left in July, August break. They go and certainly they're going to be getting out of town because it's an election year and they want to go back home and campaign. What are we looking at in these uh, next couple of weeks? 
Yeah, as they always say, nothing like the the smell of the August recess gets Congress moving faster to get work done. And that's hopefully what they'll do. But again, not good things. So, yep, they got the National Defense Authorization Bill. They'll hope to get passed by the end of the the July period here. But then uh, it's federal appropriations, right? That's the job of Congress is the purse to use the taxpayer funds they collect to fund the federal government and its programs. And uh, again, sloppy work yet again. They've rammed through uh, funding for the entire federal government through committees with very little time for members to review and engage, and they're going to expect to put those bills on the House floor in the next two weeks to head out of town, hopefully sending those over to the Senate. And when they get back in August, in September, we'll be back here, but in August they'll be doing, a number of them will be doing town hall meetings and they'll be meeting with constituents. It's a great time for uh, for folks to talk to their members of Congress. And we have a resource, a vote scorecard, that shows where their member of Congress stood on the issues. Very quickly, tell, uh, tell our folks how they can access Yeah, that. on frcaction.org, you can see every single member of Congress and U.S. Senator on what votes they've taken for the whole Congress last year and this year. And it's really run the gamut of all the issues we talk about on the show and work here at FRC. Marriage and sexuality, education, pro-life issues, economy, things like that. This is what they've been asked to vote on. And you can check out where your members are at. All right. Uh, Connor Simmelsberger, always good to see you. Thanks for the work you guys and your team, what you do on Capitol Hill. Yep. I'm looking forward to the weekend, just like you, Tony. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Hey, folks, let me uh, remind you, mark your calendar. September the 14th through the 16th will be this year's Pray, Vote, Stand Summit, and it's going to be at First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. It's going to be a great uh, event lineup of speakers is coming together. It's going to be an exciting event. You won't want to miss it. So mark your calendar September 14th through the 16th. In fact, you can find out more by going to prayvotestand.org slash summit. All right, don't go away because we're not. We're going to be right back after the break. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, We are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. 
To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldviews monthly newsletter, visit frc.org slash worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Thanks so much for joining us on this Friday. All right, the Biden administration announced on Wednesday that pharmacies throughout the country must, must fill orders for abortion medication or potentially face consequences for violating customers' civil rights. Now, this potentially puts pharmacists in a, in a bind because if they're obeying state law that says you can't do this, then you have the federal government saying if you don't do this, we're going to prosecute. Now, this is another example of the Biden administration's, I mean, they, they are dead set on, on sidestepping the U.S. Supreme Court's decision overturning Roe v. Wade. With everything else, and I'm going to keep repeating this because I'm tired of paying almost $5 a gallon for gasoline. I'm tired of a 10% increase in the cost of food, other commodities. And instead of focusing on that, they're focused on abortion. Unbelievable. Well, there are those that are fighting back. And joining me now to discuss this is one of those members of Congress, Congressman Buddy Carter. He is a uh, pharmacist by training, and he, is, uh, he serves on the House Budget Committee and on the House Committee on Energy and Commerce. And uh, he represents Georgia's 1st Congressional District. Buddy, welcome uh, to the program. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Uh, you've spoken out. In fact, I played a clip of your comments on the floor earlier today. Uh, on the beginning of the at the beginning of the program, and, and you were one of the first to speak out against the Biden administration on this. Tell us what they're trying to do. Well, the, the Supreme Court has already said that abortion is, is not due to you because of the Constitution. The Constitution does not uh, guarantee you an abortion. Well, uh, now that that simply says that, that you can't require a pharmacist to fill a prescription. And, and say that it, the Constitution makes you do that. No, that's not what happens here. And yet the administration, they, as you say, want to sidestep this issue and want to say that a pharmacist has to fill a prescription, no matter what it's for, no matter what it's going to be for, no matter if the pharmacist has a, a moral objection to this or a, 
a conscious objection to it? Did they have to fill this prescription? Well, that is, that creates all kinds of dilemmas, not the least of which it could put them in a situation where they have a choice between either violating federal law or violating state law. And of course, that no pharmacist wants to be in that position. I can tell you that this is not going to go over well with the pharmacy community at all. Well, Congressman, there's also an issue here of rights of conscience, because what we're talking about specifically are abortion drugs. We're talking about abortion patients. We're talking about those drugs that would cause an abortion. And the administration now leaning very heavily on this, on these chemical abortions, which are already about 52 percent, 54 percent of the abortions performed in the latest numbers. They want to expand that and they want you to be their pusher. That's exactly right. And uh, look, when I was in the Georgia State Legislature, we passed legislation. In fact, I sponsored this legislation that would say that a pharmacist cannot be fired by a company simply because they object to filling a prescription because of, of, of moral objections to that or, or of conscious objections. And specifically what we were talking about, of course, were, object, were abortion pills. And you know, as a practicing pharmacist myself, I never would fill a prescription if I knew it was going to be used for an abortion. We didn't even carry Plan B in our pharmacies. As the owner of the pharmacy, I, I wouldn't allow that drug to be sold in my stores. So, you know, the, the moral obligation that we feel, you know, pharmacists are some of the most trusted healthcare professionals in America, mm-hmm. the, the second most trusted professionals and healthcare professionals in America. And access to pharmacies, uh, pharmacists are the most accessible healthcare professionals in America. 95% of all Americans live within five miles of a pharmacy. So to put these kind of, of restrictions on pharmacists to say that you have to do this, this is simply ludicrous and is obvious overreach. Whether they do it legislatively or whether the president does it by executive order, it's still wrong. And pharmacists are not going to tolerate this. Well, and, and Buddy, you know that these pills um, can present danger to these women if they're not taken in the right way. There's not medical supervision. And what the administration is talking about is even sidestepping the medical uh, personnel interacting with these mothers. And so that they Absolutely. take these things and, and they don't even know, know what they're doing. It, it, well, that's a great point because they don't know what they're doing. And And, you know, let's lay to rest the fact that Uh, Some of these medications are used for legitimate reasons. There's no question about that. People are still going to be able to get those medications. They're still going to be able to get their arthritis medication if it's being used for arthritis. They're still going to be able to get the medications that they are are, are written uh, and and prescribed for them if it's used for that purpose. However, no pharmacist, well, I shouldn't say no pharmacist, but a pharmacist should have the right to deny filling a prescription if they know that it's going to be used for an abortion and if they morally object to that. Well, let me ask you this as well, because I'm very concerned about this, buddy, that we're going to see this used, these abortion pills, especially by mail that the administration's pushing for, to cover the tracks of sexual predators and those who abuse others, because these these young girls, uh, probably many of them minors, will never see a doctor or may not even see a pharmacist. It's going to be filled by their boyfriend or their handler. That's exactly right. And there, therein lies a, another problem. I mean, here, here we have uh, a situation that could present itself where 
you know, there are side effects to these medications. There's no question about it. I mean, this is this is very serious. When you take one of these medications uh, in, in order to, to have it abort a child, I mean, you know, excessive bleeding, all of the things that could go into this. That's why you've got to have healthcare professionals administering this. And, and that's why, you know, as you say, and we know how easy it is and what a danger it is to get prescriptions over the internet. And that's what the administration, they're actually supporting this and actually proposing that people do this and encouraging them to do this. This is ludicrous. It is. It absolutely is. And, and Congressman Buddy Carter, I want to thank you for bringing attention to this and speaking out so forcefully uh, on the floor and trying to get a message to the president. I don't know that he'll hear it, but I appreciate you trying to do it. Well, we're going to holler loud enough for him to hear it. All right. Have a great weekend. Congressman, Thank you. Congressman Buddy Carter of Georgia. To find out more, go to the website, TonyBerkins.com. There's also other resources there for you at that website as well. Links to uh, several things that you might find handy. All right, don't go away because coming up next, Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler joins us to discuss more on the right to life and uh, what's been happening this week here in our nation's capital. So don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins. Glad you could be with us on this Friday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. And again, let me remind you, coming up September the 14th through the 16th, the Pray Vote Stand Summit will be in First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Make plans now to join us. 
As we were talking earlier, the House voted on the so-called Ensuring Women's Right to Reproductive Freedom Act. Wow, what? Uh, I mean, you can't believe any of these names. Now, this is the Democrats' desperate attempt to try to codify Roe v. Wade following the Supreme Court's decision last month. You know, for 50 years, they've told us this is the law of the land. It's not. They're trying to make it the law of the land. Now, they pulled a similar stunt earlier this year, despite knowing they do not have the votes in the Senate to legalize abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy. Still, today's House vote is a stark reminder that elections matter. For those of us who support life, it's important that we vote a pro-life majority back into Congress this fall. This is, I mean, look, this is a life or death issue. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler. She serves on the House Armed Services Committee, the House Agricultural Committee, and she represents Missouri's 4th Congressional District. Vicki, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you, Tony. Glad to be here. All right. There, there were floor votes today in the House. Uh, give us your thoughts on uh, this stark contrast between the two parties. Well, they are the party of death, and they are so extreme, and they're out of touch with what the American people want, which most people want, according to surveys, either not have uh, abortion be illegal or return it to the elected officials, and that's what the uh, Supreme Court did. They don't support abortion up until the moment of birth. I mean, this is an extreme position. This puts America in the same a category as only seven other nations, including North Korea and China, which allow these late-term horrific abortions. And this is, they are out of step and out of touch with the American people. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that's going to come back in, in this election, and it's going to hurt them. And people say, hey, we should be dealing with the, the things we care about, which is the runaway gas prices caused by your policy to shut off American energy, and this inflation caused by your runaway spending that you've been coming out of, uh, sending out of Washington. I mean, that's what we care about. That's what you should be fighting for, not a, a death through abortion up until the moment of birth. Right. I mean, I, I mentioned that earlier. We started the we ended the week the same way we started it here in Washington, D.C., with the focus of the Democratic majority on abortion. And even though they know they pass these two bills out of the House, they know they won't pass in the Senate because they can't get the 60 votes to do it. But they're still doing it. And that in spite of the fact that this week, you know, we get a, a new inflation rate of nine point one percent. Americans are hurting economically. And what are they doing to solve that? No, they're just fueling it further. I mean, the president wants to continue to spend more money. I mean, he's, he would love to have a, a build back broke bill to uh, come through. And so he he's wanting to continue to make it worse, spend more money. But he's also over in Saudi Arabia, pandering to them, trying to get them to, to drill more oil. When here he shut down our own energy production right here. And this is a, a self-inflicted wound at the hands of this president and these the failed Democrats. Uh, we, we wouldn't have this energy crisis. We wouldn't have this inflation without them. And so that's why they're promoting these abortion bills as a distraction from the real issues that they don't want to talk about because they know all this is their fault. Yeah, I was just talking to one of your colleagues, uh, Congressman Buddy Car- Carter was on. We were talking about uh, this week on, on Wednesday, the administration telling pharmacists that they have to uh, prescribe these abortion-inducing drugs. And, you know, we've been raising the alarm over this about how, as this administration is trying to expand through the mail without medical supervision, these abortion 
causing drugs, the chemical abortions, that this is going to be a tremendous cover for sexual predators. And, you know, where's the concern for women and girls when this is going to be a, a huge cloak that sexual predators and traffickers are going to be able to put over their activities? Yeah, that is a good question. Not only is it going to, this is going to uh, cause a cloak on the sexual uh, predators, but the bill to prevent uh, states from being able to protect women and say, you can't take a child across state lines for an abortion. uh, You know, they're undermining not only parental consent, consent, but also opening up the door for sexual predators to be able to take their victims and force them to have an abortion in another state. And these are laws that should be you know, determined there at the state level to pre- protect girls. But this administration, who supposedly is for women and all feminists, I mean, they've clearly been at war with women. And, and look at what they're doing with women's sports. And you yeah. may have heard that uh, on my campaign side, my Twitter account was suspended just because I said that women's sports should be for women, not men pretending to be women. And where are the liberals, where are the Democrats speaking up for all these girls that are ha- being forced to compete against biological males, and the biological male is taking all of their medals and their scholarships and setting records. It's just ludicrous. They're not speaking up for them. It's uh, conservatives like me and others who are speaking up and being the champion for girls and women. Right. Yeah. How can they claim to be pro-women when they've embraced this, uh, this agenda from the left that is destroying the very concept of woman. Vicki Hartzler, always great to talk with you. I hope you have a great weekend. Uh, thanks for uh, for joining us today. You bet. Thank you, Tony. Take care. All right. Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler of Missouri. And again, of course, you're not going to hear from many that are not champions of faith, family, and freedom here on Washington Watch because that's who we work with. And we want to give them the platform to tell you what they're doing. Because I think it should encourage you to know that there are men and women of deep, committed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that are here in Washington, D.C., working to advance things you care about. So pray for them, and if you get a chance, contact them and tell them thanks. All right, don't go away. Creepy Chat Rooms, sponsored by Planned Parenthood in the CDC. That's next. Don't go away. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? 
Just text STAN to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAN to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. All right. Earlier this week, more than 80 House Democrats signed a letter to President Joe Biden asking him to issue a national emergency, a national emergency in response to Roe's overturn. Now, 18 Senate Democrats also signed on to the letter. In their letter, they wrote this, quote, the Supreme Court's radical and dangerous decision in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization precipitated a full scale reproductive health care crisis across our nation. It has also plunged our health system into a state of uncertainty and upheaval that threatens patients' lives, end quote. Wow, talk about hyperbole. So what would such a declaration do? Well, here to tell us about it is Roger Severino. He previously served as the director of the Department of Health and Human Services Office of Civil Rights under President Donald Trump. Roger, welcome back to the program. Glad to be back, Tony. All right. So what would this do if the uh, if the president gives in once again to the radical left and declares a public health crisis over abortion? What can he do? Well, they are drawing at straws. Americans have voted for life after Roe v. Wade at the federal level with the Hyde Amendment prohibiting federal funding of abortions to conscious protections. They have very little they could hang their hat on to say abortion needs to be required. So they're desperate to find anything. So now they're hanging on to this public health emergency idea, which is entirely backwards. Public health emergencies are designed to save lives, yet abortion is designed to end lives. You can't declare it a public health emergency based on a lack of abortion access. It's nonsensical to even think along those lines. But that's how radical this administration is. That's how radical Secretary of HHS Javier Becerra is. They see abortion everywhere, and they're trying to shoehorn public health and emergencies into their abortion agenda. I don't think it's going to work. And even if they attempted it, it would just be very limited in what they can do in terms of waivers of certain laws. Um, We used it to good effect during COVID, 
but I just don't see how they're going to do it because they cannot fund abortion because, again, federal law says you can't direct federal money to abortion clinics. So the public health emergency, what are they going to do? Set up a FEMA abortion clinic in states that are pro-life? I just don't see how it's going to work. So uh, let me ask you this, Roger. So is this yet another example of the lawlessness of the left seeking to use government to accomplish what they want to do however they can? Right. I mean, they they focused on the courts so much Mm -hmm. to further their abortion policy because they could not win at the ballot box. And that's what this uproar is about. The uproar is about the people now finally being able to vote pro-life. And in state after state, they're doing so. And God willing, we'll be able to do it at the federal level as well. Um, Because they can't win at the ballot box. They went for the courts. Because they now lost the court, uh, they're now trying to use whatever executive administrative power they have to try to create abortion on demand because that's what they want. Now, we have to resist their attempts of nullification of Dobbs, their massive resistance. I mean, this is the civil rights struggle of our time. Mm -hmm. And our country went through something similar where recalcitrant states resisted uh, Brown versus Board of Education. It took 10 years until the Civil Rights Act. So I'm not shocked that the, the left is doing this and using whatever levers of power they still have. And they have it now is the federal agency. So HHS is ground zero. It should be the Department of Life. They're trying to turn into the main funder and promoter of abortion, uh, and it has to be resisted. Yeah. And fortunately, we've got many states that are resisting as well as many members of Congress, and I do think these are going to be election issues come this fall. I, I want to shift gears very quickly, Roger. Uh, another uh, issue that really involves the Department of Health and Human Services and the CDC There is a website called Q Chat Space, and it aims to create an environment of, they say, learning and acceptance where LGBTQ plus teens can make friends and build community in a safe space. That's their own language. Now, this site, run in part by Planned Parenthood and featured by the CDC on their website, is advertised for young people between the ages of 13 through 19. 19 19-year-olds are uh, legal adults, you know, uh, and, and there's no really tracking who gets on there. I mean, this could be a playground for predators, and we're funding it with our tax dollars. It, it's sad to see that our science bodies and our government bodies, HHS, have been captured by ideologues. Uh, LGBT groups have been one of the primary funders of many of our federally funded programs. They've been receiving tons of money. And you mentioned Planned Parenthood as well, which has received hundreds of millions of dollars. And at Planned Parenthood, they're handing out prescriptions for uh, sex change uh, hormones like candy. Right. I mean, it's almost no questions asked. And my colleague, Jay Green, at the Heritage Foundation, wrote a fantastic paper on the dangers not only of this cross-sex hormones, et cetera, but the fact that if, you, if in states that do not allow parents to have a say, the suicide rate goes up. Parents are key to making sure they're there to protect their children from people who would do them harm. Right. People called bypass laws. The, the children could get these cross-sex hormones and drugs and even surgeries without their parents knowing. And that is a dangerous development that we're seeing now. Yeah. And the CDC should not be doing anything to further a wedge between parents and their and their children. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Roger Severino, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. Thanks, Tony.
And, and by the way, folks, on this site, the way it's designed, it is, uh, it, it, it's got like this big button at the top of every page so that if somebody walks into the room like a kid's in their room looking at this, they can push on it. It's an exit so they can basically wipe their screen so their parents won't see uh, what they're looking at or what they're, who they're chatting with. I mean, this is really devious. And this is being funded by our federal governments on the CDC website. It's insidious what this administration is doing. All right. While the uh, recent explosion of sports gambling uh, may have grabbed all the headlines, a recent study by the Howard Center for Investigative Journalism at the University of Maryland found that state lotteries have nearly doubled in size over the past two decades. And, not surprisingly, they are disproportionately clustered in lower-income communities. In fact, what's happening is... What's happening? Billions of dollars are being sucked out of these low-income communities going straight into the pockets of multinational corporations. Now, I haven't talked about gambling much on this uh, program, but it's something that I did a lot of in terms of addressing gambling, legalized gambling. I fought it back in Louisiana when I was uh, in office, and so I've studied extensively I've uh, testified. I testified before the National uh, Gambling Commission uh, a number of years ago. Uh, And one of the individuals that I used his research as I fought it in Louisiana is uh, Professor John Kent. He is a professor emeritus of business administration at the University of Illinois. And uh, he has been studying and has been outspoken on the issue of gambling for Uh, about 40 years. He's one of the nation's uh, foremost experts on gambling and its effect economically and socially uh, upon communities. Uh, Professor, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you for uh, having me and thanks for all that you do in educating and informing the public on important issues. Well, I had to kind Uh, of dust off my memory banks as I went back to this issue of gambling because there's been so much uh, so many other issues that have eclipsed it since uh, it was working on this back in the early 2000s, late 90s, um, in fact, late 80s, early 90s. But um, the lottery, and I've always been a strong opponent of the lottery. I mean, I oppose all gambling, but this one in particular because it's state-sponsored. And so what you have, you have states that are sponsoring, saying this is going to education. And this study I thought was pretty interesting because it says it, it, they're preying upon poor people, and they're sucking money out of low-income communities. And where are the politicians decrying this, saying this is radical racial economic injustice? Well, you're from Louisiana. As you recall, one of the major national lotteries uh, 100-plus years ago was uh, the uh, lottery out of Louisiana sponsored by uh, former Confederate General P.T. Beauregard. Yep. And it was so corrupt and people were being cheated right and left that, in fact, the U.S. Congress passed a federal law, said wiping the slate clean, said no more lotteries. Well, what they did is they made it illegal to buy lottery tickets through the mail, which was the means by which they sold those tickets. They moved to Honduras, continued to operate. But as a result of that, that was kind of the second major wave of gambling. And I know you know this, but it uh, it eliminated lotteries all across the country until 1964, when I believe it was New Hampshire began the first lottery. And now we have, I think, all but five states have lotteries now. 
Yeah, and, and the, the uh, governor uh, of the first lottery back in 1964 was so upset when he was forced to sign it into law that the rumor is that he went into the men's room and signed the, signed the lottery into law in the men's room uh, to show his disgust with it. Uh, but it does. It makes poor people poor. I was just looking at a lottery ad here from Washington, D.C., it's the D.C. lottery, and it uh, has a big picture of Martin Luther King. It says, to honor his dream, we must live his legacy. Now, how cynical is that? And you're making poor people poor. All the research shows that. And by the way, over my uh, shoulder here, you can probably see the National Gambling Impact Study Commission that you were talking about, plus volumes of red books and studies uh, that show that this this just makes poor people poor. And if um, uh, I have a, uh, a full-page ad here out of the Boston Globe from several years ago, and I will hold it up. I know that's not the greatest thing to do. But it basically, you can see all the writing in one column. And it says, plan A, work hard, get an education, get up every morning, after 30 years, you may have a retirement plan. And on the other column, it says, plan B, play the lottery. And this was so outrageous that 64 legislators in the Massachusetts legislature wrote to the uh, uh, lottery and said, we don't want to see these types of ads anymore. But the philosophy, this, this is the philosophy that's being used. This is legalized government fraud. And the U.S. National Gambling Impact Study Commission, before which you and I uh, testified under oath, just savaged the lotteries. And uh, there were plenty of gambling people as commissioners on this commission. As a matter of fact, four out of the nine commissioners uh, were straight from the gambling industry. Mm -hmm. And they unanimously concluded at the end, that there should be a moratorium on the expansion of any type of gambling anywhere in the United States. Um, and um, I would also point out one other thing here. Again, this is a Newsweek. This shows how kids are being targeted. And this is from a few years ago, but we now have uh, 6 to 11% of kids who are showing a gambling addiction, problem gambling uh, uh, symptoms. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've heard ministers call this an involuntary tithe of our children to the idols of gambling. Now, what people don't realize is that according to the American Psychiatric Association, gambling is an addiction, just like opioid addiction, cocaine addiction, meth addiction. The problem is people have been so dumbed down on this by the industry and by the propaganda from the industry and by state governments who are promoting this gambling and are actually targeting kids. And we've got plenty of algorithms showing that they're targeting kids, that this is one of the things which has led to the Kids Online Safety Act which is being sponsored by Senator Blumenthal of Tennessee and um, I'm sorry, Senator Blackburn of Tennessee and Senator Blumenthal of Connecticut. It's totally bipartisan. Uh, we have people on the left and the right. This is simply good public policy. 
to protect kids. Yeah. And uh, and and to protect the economy. Right. Uh, and I mean, I've seen it. Uh, I've seen the ugly side of it uh, in, in Louisiana back when I, I fought that. Uh, but I'm against all gambling. So let me just be very clear about that. I, I'm, and I'm against it for economic reasons. I'm also against it for moral reasons. I'm against it for every reason. Um, but what is most um, appalling when you look at all the forms of gambling is the, is the state-sponsored gambling like we see in the lotteries. And, and it has the worst odds of all the forms of gambling. And so we, they know who they're preying upon, and, and we see who uses or who plays the lottery. It's people ha- that most of them are high school dropouts, don't have an education, and they're enticed by these advertisements. It should be criminal what these states are doing. Right. And, and for 100 years it was, yes. after the Teddy Roosevelt generation and the social reformers of that time basically wiped the slate clean. Uh, back in 1994, I included this in a congressional statement before a congressional committee, uh, submitted to a congressional committee. And my colleagues and I, uh, across the board, 98% of academics are going to agree with what you just said. This is an across-the-board economic, social issue. It makes everything worse. Uh, it's, it's bad economics. It's bad social policy. It's bad government. Uh, and the social costs of these new addicted and bankruptcies caused by gambling, crime caused by gambling, are at least 3 to $8 for every $1 in yeah. benefit. So it's lose, lose, lose for the people. Uh, John, we're out of time, uh, but we're gonna we're gonna revisit this because this is bringing back a lot of uh, a lot of uh, issues that I, I dealt with back when I addressed the gambling issue. But unfortunately, sports gambling has now become the thing, and that's spreading across the country. And we didn't even get to talk about that, but we will. Professor, thanks so much for being with us. Okay, thank you. All right, folks, and I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I hope you have a great weekend. And until next time. You know what the Apostle Paul says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 